Come on, I need you to say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. It's always a lamp unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. We thank you for the living word, Jesus Christ. Because he is the reason for this season. Lord Jesus, we honor you in this place. We thank you for being our Lord. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for forgiving us for all sins, past, present, and future. We thank you for salvation. And Father, I pray tonight as I step back that the Holy Spirit will step up so that what we need to hear as a people, as a congregation, and as an individual, we will hear. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As believers, this is the season where we take the time to recognize the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we give Jesus another big hand? Can you do that? However, our environment focuses more on the giving of gifts rather than the giver of life. Whether you're listening to the radio or watching TV, the main focus seems to be sales, Santa Claus, and Christmas songs that have nothing to do with Jesus. Amen. I mean, you have Macy's 24-hour sale, you have pictures with Santa, and you have songs like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, who had a very shiny nose. With all these activities, it's easy to lose focus on the real reason for the season, and that is the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So my message title today is very simple, yet it's going to be thought-provoking, and that is making room for Jesus. Just look at your neighbor and say, you need to make some room for Jesus. Amen. Now, if you were raised in church, you probably know the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, but everybody here wasn't raised in church. So today, I want to highlight some of the events that I believe we can relate to in our everyday lives about the birth of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I'm only going to ask you to turn to one verse, even though I'm going to use many. Go to Luke chapter 2, and we're, we're going to read verses 1 through 17. And I know that's a lot, but we are, we are in church, right? All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. And the context of this verse 
is centered around the birth of Jesus Christ, of course, Joseph and Mary having to go back to their hometown to pay taxes. In other words, back in those days, it was required that you had to go back and pay taxes from where you came from. So in this story, as they journeyed back home, Mary was about to have uh, Jesus. So we're going to pick up this story in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made by Cyrenius, who was governor of Syria. Verse 3. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. Verse 5. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. Now, let me just stop here and just explain that because when we, we don't use the word espoused in our day. But the word espoused in our, uh, back then means our word engagement, but it was a stronger word for engagement. In other words, when they say they were espoused, they had already made covenants as if they were married. Without the sex part. They made a commitment as if they were already married. So it was a stronger term than engagement. Verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Verse 7. Watch this now. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Everybody say firstborn son. When you see the word firstborn, that means that she had a secondborn and a thirdborn. In other words, Jesus was not the only child that Mary had. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Watch this. They laid him in a manger. And here is why. Because there was no room for them in the end. Let's just stop here and explain. Because a lot of us were raised that Jesus was born in a manger because they were poor. But, no, that's not why he was born in a manger. He was born in a manger because there were no more rooms in the hotels. Are you all with me? All right. So, there was no more room in the inn. That's what it says. Verse 8. And there were in the same uh, country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. How many know the message of Jesus Christ should be one of joy? Amen. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was uh, uh, an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth 
peace, goodwill toward men. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now I'm going to point that out in just a few minutes uh, why that's important. Verse 16. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the the child. Now, what I want to do is use our sanctified imaginations as if we were there. Because how many know the Bible was real? It was written about real people. So I want us to use our sanctified imaginations to see what may have been going on in this story and the life of what was going on with the people involved, okay? So first, let's just talk about the guy who may have turned them down at the end. He didn't make room for Jesus. Business was probably good for him. In other words, everybody, you know, he had a full occupancy. And in other words, his business was thriving. And sometimes when things are going well with us, we don't need Jesus. Business was going so well for this business owner that he didn't feel the need to invite. You say, well, it was already full. He could have kicked somebody out because if President Obama had showed up. Somebody wouldn't have got a room. If he had known who he was before, I think he would have made some room for Jesus. What about you? Amen. He may have had a, you know, first come, first first serve base. He may have done it by reservations or whatever. But anyway, his, his business, I could see, was probably prospering at the time. But here's the thing. He was not sensitive to the spirit because had he been sensitive to the spirit of God, he would have offered Mary a room. Can I get an amen? And sometimes we don't make room in our lives for Jesus. It's because we're not sensitive to the spirit. Amen. And I find that if we're not sensitive to God, we can miss life changing events just like this innkeeper did. Can you imagine had he just uh, let Jesus come into his, his inn, how popular his inn would have been? His inn would have been mentioned in the Bible. People would still be going there. Where's Jesus' room? I want to sleep in that one. And there are some God moments. Say God moments. There are some God moments that have occurred and it's still occurring And if we're not sensitive to the Spirit of God, we will miss them. Amen. Just some personal uh, uh, moments that I've had to be sensitive to. One of them was when I was called to ministry. I had to be sensitive to what God wanted to do in my life, even though I never saw myself as a preacher. Amen. You know, it was not on my bucket list. You know how most kids grow up, there? I want to be, you know, and it's different these days too because, you know, I was watching Steve Harvey's show one day and he had a whole lot of kids around and he asked one kid, well, what do you, you want to be? He says, I want to be a social media 
uh, enthusiast. I was like, is that a job? I had to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, to the call of ministry on my life. And had I not been sensitive to God, I wouldn't be here today. Amen. Another moment that I had to be sensitive is when I had to move to Jamaica to go to Bible school. Now, let me just set this up. I'm not going to take a long time, but uh, some of you all, God is ready for you to be more sensitive to him. In other words, you need to make room for Jesus. And uh, I'll never forget, I was going about my own business in my church that I was a part of, which was small at the time. The, you know, they were going on a missions trip. So I was like, okay, well, I wanna, I, I'll go. What can I lose? Got there. The, we stayed at the school uh, called Caribbean Christ for the Nations, okay? So they let us bunk there. We paid them. And so we went out and did mission work. And while I was on campus, the Spirit of God told me, he says, Evan, I want you to go to school here. And you don't understand. I've already been to school. I done had 16 years of school. I didn't want to go to school no more. And then go to school in Jamaica? Are you kidding me? Well, there's no hot running water. At least where I was. Amen. Uh, I remember one day, uh, my first journey of riding the Jamaica uh, public transportation system. In other words, the bus. i never forget, I got on this bus, right? And it was already crowded. I mean, the bus was already crowded. And when I mean by crowded, there were no seats open. And I was standing up. But the bus kept stopping, letting people up. Nobody was getting off. Everybody was getting on the bus. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And I mean, it got bad. It got so bad, we were packed in there like sardines. I didn't even have to hold the rails. We were just all stuck together. <laughs> if the bus, if, if it stopped fast, it didn't matter. We didn't move. It was so crunched up in there. But had I not been sensitive, watch this now, or make some room for Jesus in my decision-making life, I'd have never met my wife. Amen. So let's look at four questions that I want to ask us quickly that affects us in making room for Jesus. Here's the first question, and I'm going to answer the questions for you. Here's the first question. What does it mean to make room for Jesus? Number two, why is it that many people never make room for Jesus? Then number three, what have you and I done when we refuse to make room for Jesus? And then number four, How do you and I make room for Jesus and what we can expect from doing that? So here's the first one. What does it mean to make room for Jesus? Well, we make room for Jesus, watch this, when we give him influence in every area of our lives. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament, in all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. Most of us don't read it like that. We read it like this. In some of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. No, no, no. It says in all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. 
Amen. You know, when I was growing up, uh, there was this song called Weekend Girl. How many know that song? I'm a weekend girl. Y'all remember that? Basically, the whole, the whole purpose of the song was saying she ain't got time to date nobody on the weekday. But she might give you a chance on the weekend. You're probably saying, what does that have to do with your story, Pastor? <laughs> we make time for what we want to. Amen. Or let me say it like this. We make room for what we want to. And here's why. The importance of a thing determines the entrance of a thing. I'm going to say that again. The importance of a thing determines the entrance of a thing. In other words, in that song, Weekend Girl, it was talking about dating. See, if, if your life is already full and then you meet somebody and you like them, you're going to make some time for them. You're not going to get no more time in the day. God ain't going to add, you know, like 26 hours just for you. No, no, no. You still going to have 24 hours, but you know what you do? You make some time for them. You know what else you do? You find time on the phone to talk to them. In these days, text them. FaceTime them. Fall asleep on the phone with them. Amen. And, and, and if you're a brother, you find money you didn't even know you had to even try to go out on a date with them. You make room for what's important. So how do we make room for Jesus? We give him influence in every area of our lives. So here are four areas in which we should make room for Jesus. Here are four areas. Here's the first one, in our attitude. Everybody say, in our attitudes. See, our attitude is the inward or outward expression that is displayed through our negative or positive actions. Now, this can be found in the story and the birth of Jesus Christ because I, I, I can't imagine what was Joseph's whole uh, attitude in the whole matter of his girlfriend or fiance getting pregnant out of wedlock. Now, I'm going to read Matthew 1.18. It says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, his, when as his mother Mary was espoused as Joseph, before they came together... That means before they had sex, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her her away privately. Verse 20. Watch this. I love this. But while he thought on these things, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, uh, said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. To take unto you Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. In other words, what he was saying, listen what I love. When your heart is toward God, he will interrupt your thought process if it's wrong. I'm going to say that again. If your heart is toward God, he will interrupt your thought processes If it's not according to his will. And see, that's why it's very important to renew your mind. Because when you renew your mind, you begin to think like God. Joseph was getting ready to put this woman away. And that was the right thing to do in that day and time. But God interrupted his thought process. In other words, Joseph made room for Jesus. Amen. 
So we make room for Jesus in our attitudes. Here's the second one. We make room for Jesus in our assignments. Everybody say assignments. Amen. See, these are the things that God has called us to do. Now, in Luke chapter 1, verses 28, I'm going to start in verse 26. It says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city called Galilee, into Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Watch this, he's talking about Mary. Of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. I just like the fact that they just say the virgin's name was Mary. You know, because some, some people still don't think that Jesus was born of a virgin. That's very important because if he wasn't born of a virgin, then he was born in sin like us. Amen. Watch verse 29. Uh, uh, well, verse 28. And when the angel saw her, he said, Hell, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her, hand, her mind what, what kind of salutation it should be. And the angel said to her, her, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end then Mary said to the angel how shall this be seeing I know not a man and the angel answered her and said the Holy Ghost shall come up on you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the son of God and behold your cousin Elizabeth she has also conceived in her old age and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren watch verse 37 Because this is really one of the realities of Christmas. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I don't know what you're facing today. But if you're serving the same God that I'm serving, there is nothing impossible with him. Amen. Watch what it goes on to say. And then the angel, and then verse 38, which was the key verse, it says, And Mary said, Behold... The handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, here's my point. Mary made room for Jesus in her assignment. See, I can just imagine. Mary didn't let her flesh, her fears, or her future ambitions keep her from yielding for what God wanted her to do. Oh, don't think Mary didn't have some plans. Mary probably has some plans to go to college. I don't want to have no kid while I'm in college. I'm going to get married. What if Joseph leave me? I'm going to be a single parent. I mean, Mary did not allow any of her fears or her future ambitions to keep her from making room for Jesus. So we have to make room in our agendas. Everybody say our agendas. Which is number three. This is what happened with the shepherds. Remember we read the story about the shepherds? And the Bible says, and I'm just going to quote you, verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great tidings of good joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this this day is born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. I'm going to jump down to verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them, watch this, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
let us go now even to Bethlehem to see this thing. The, the, the shepherds put aside their agenda to give Jesus some room. Amen. So what happens when we don't give room? We can miss the agenda of the Father for our lives. Amen. Here's the thing. We are not duplicatable, but we can be replaced. Amen. God can say, never mind. You know, when I started this church, he asked me to start. He says, Evan, I want you to start a church. He told me what kind of church it was. He says, I want you to do this, but if you don't do it, I'll get somebody else to do it. He said, because I already asked somebody to do it and they wouldn't do it. Amen. Here's the second thing that can happen is that the impact of Jesus' presence in your life becomes silent. In other words, when God is silent in your life, you won't see the miracles that you can see. See, whenever Jesus shows up, something happens. Amen. When he shows up, cancer has to leave. I mean, the lady with the issue of blood, it had to dry up, right? When Jesus showed up, poverty had to cease. I mean, Peter didn't have no money to pay his taxes, but he found some. Amen. When Jesus shows up, problems get solved. Guess what? The wedding day, they had no wine. Jesus made some wine out of water. I mean, Jesus didn't mind drinking, did he? <laughs> Somebody say, I'm going to get a drink with Jesus tonight. <laughs> The impact of Jesus' presence becomes silent in our lives. Here's the last one. Our participation in the plan of God will never take place. See, the innkeeper missed an opportunity, watch this, for his business to be multiplied. Remember the rich young ruler Jesus told him? He says, listen, uh, sell all you got and then give the rest to the poor and then come and follow me. And the Bible says he was sad at that saying. See, anytime Jesus uses you, he will bless you. Jesus will never use you without blessing you. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus will never use you without blessing you. So now I'm ending here. How do we make room for Jesus? And then what can we, we expect from it? Well, here's the first thing. You must first give him permission to have first place in your life. Because he is not going to bum rush nobody. That's why he stands at the door and knocks. If he wanted to come in, he'd just bust the door down. Amen. He must first get our permission to do that. Amen. Here's number two. We make his principles a priority in our lives. In other words, we live life by his word and not by our street knowledge. See, some of us, we're Christians living in street knowledge. Oh, so y'all don't know what that means? Okay, here's one. You're a Christian, you still cussing. That's street knowledge. Street knowledge. You're a Christian, you're still fighting. That's street knowledge. You know, the Bible says, you know, if, if somebody uh, hits you, uh, it says if they take your coat, then give them your, give them your cloak or something like that. Do unto others. As you have them, but see, y'all ain't doing that. You are doing unto others because you want to do it to them. You make, you have to make his principles priority 
in your life. You have to divorce your old way of thinking. Amen. You must die to the devil level so you can live at the heaven level. (laughs) I'm going to say that one again. You must die to the devil level so you can live at the heaven level. Here's the next one. You must pursue his plans by, watch this, making his will your will. One of the hardest things as I close that Jesus did. See, people make, make it seem like Jesus was happy to die on the cross. Well, if he was happy to do that, why would he say, Well, Father, if this cup, if there's any other way this can be done, can you let it be done? That don't sound like somebody that's ready to jump on the cross to me. No, no. He said, watch this, not my will, but thy will be done. And for you and I to make room for Jesus in our lives, we must pursue his plans by making his will our will. And I love, you can write this down, Acts 9. This is when Saul, when he was, uh, you know, killing all the Christians, and then he had a vision of Jesus. And uh, the first thing he said was, what would you have me to do, Lord? I believe if more Christians were to ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? We wouldn't have a whole lot of confused Christians in this world. Amen. 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 Here's the last one. We must give him preeminence in all things. What does that mean? Jesus needs to be number one and not number two. It, it, It boils down to you wanting to please him. How many have dated before? Let me see your hand if you've dated before. When you first date, don't you want to please the person? I mean, you want to do everything you can. I mean, you, you know, you, you got your little, you know, your breath fresh. <laughs> you know, I don't know why people do that because you, you can't smell your own breath. I don't know why. What, what is that? What they need to come out with is a breath stinking breathalyzer test. And if you do it, you know, it'll tell you your breakfast. I said, see, I just gave somebody an idea. You better follow up on it. <laughs> no, no, no. He has to be number one. Because let me tell you something about the Lord. He refused to be number two. Amen. I, I was talking to an entrepreneur recently, and we were just talking about different business things. And, and uh, uh, I asked him, did they give to the Lord from their business. And they, they had never thought of that. They never, never thought of that. And I said, well, just like you tithe and you and your family are blessed, don't you want your business blessed? He said, yeah. I said, find a way. I said, listen, Word of Truth Family Church gives a minimum of 10% out of whatever we bring in. That's how we do it. Just look at your neighbor and say, that's how we roll. We don't wait to see if it's going to come in. I'm not a good hooper, but I think I can change right now. I know y'all feel me. Can I get a amen? I'm tired already. No, no, for real. For real. Yeah, stay there. Because I'm closing, I'm closing, I'm closing. My whole goal of you all coming out tonight 
is for me to convey the message that we need to make more room for Jesus in our lives. Do you need to make more room for Him in your business? Do you need to make more room for Him in your dating escapades? <laughs> that wasn't even meant to be funny right there. I mean, uh... <laughs> Do you need to make more room for Him in your decision making? Because any decision you make outside of His Word doesn't have His blessing. Do you need to make more room for him in how you discipline your kids? Do you need to make more room for him in your attitude? Do you need to make more room for him on how you manage your money? Do you need to make more room for him in the words that you speak? Are they negative? Are they degrading? Do they bring people down instead of pull people up? What area of your life can you give more Jesus, more room for Jesus? With every head bowed and every eye closed. There may be some people here tonight. And you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ I'm not talking about being mommy and daddy's God I'm talking about your God I'm talking about where there was a time in your life where you remember that you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and salvation came into your life you know there was a distinct difference in your heart So here's my question. If you die tonight, are you 100% sure?